Thanks for listening to the Journey Christian Church podcast. We're on a mission to make disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world. Our prayer is that this message encourages you today. And remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible. I want to start today by reading these words from the scriptures out loud together, everyone at Apopka, Lake County, and online in all environments. Let's read these words out loud together. This is from Psalm 71. Let's read. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, until I declare your power to the next generation your mighty acts to all who are to come. Old and gray is a common experience for all of us if we live that long. (laughs) And secretly, we all wonder, will that be a good thing or will that be a bad thing? And I want to talk to you today about that. We're in a message series called Defining Moments. And these are the moments that direct us that define us and that distinguish us as individuals. So we've talked about marriage last week, and we've talked about graduation, and we've talked about babies being born, and we've talked about becoming a a mom. Next week, we'll talk about being a dad. We've even talked about weekly communion moments. Today, I've really been looking forward to this message. Today, we're going to talk about senior moments. Now, let me just tell you, there's two realities that confront us at the outset of this topic. Number one, everybody wants a long life. Nobody wants to get old. Right? Number two, there's no cure for aging except God. Normal, predictable aging that leads to death cannot be defied. But the good news we believe and proclaim as Christ followers is that it has been defeated by the resurrection of Jesus. I read about an elderly lady who was asked how she was able to deal so positively with her many health woes. She would smile and say, they're nothing the resurrection won't cure. (laughs) Amen. Until then, aging is a natural, predictable life process that imperceptibly begins at birth, accelerates in a few decades, eventually becomes undeniable, ends in death, and is the dominant factor in the last third of most people's lives. However, old age isn't as short as it used to be. In the United States, the average lifespan is 80, double to what it was 200 years ago. 70 million people will be over 65 by 2030, double today's numbers. The very old, those over 86, are one of the fastest growing age groups. This group numbered 4 million in 2000 and are projected to grow to nearly 9 million by 2030 and to 16 million by 2050. By 2058, the number of people 60 and older worldwide will triple to 2 billion. We are all participants or observers in a longevity revolution. Mary Pfeiffer warns that at whatever age we find ourselves, 
we all have a stake in helping the elderly. Listen to what she says. Soon our country will be avalanched by old people and those people will be us. In a few decades, our solutions to the dilemmas of caring for our elders will be applied to our own lives. The kindness, the indifference, the ignorance, and the wisdom will be passed on. The more we love and respect our elders, the more we teach our children to love and respect us. The more we think through problems today, the more organizational and cultural structures will be in place to handle our generation's needs. Good words. One writer has suggested this formula to understand aging. Age is the result of experience plus deterioration. Now, I'll be the first to admit that's not very inspiring. (laughs) That's not going to sell a lot of t-shirts. But when you boil it down, that's basically what aging is. And that's also what's behind almost all the scriptures on aging. Lived experience is considered to be a very valuable thing according to the biblical writers. It is to be honored and respected. God's plan was for his people to revere those who age. For example, God commanded through Moses to the Israelites, rise in the presence of the aged, show respect for the elderly, and revere your God I am the Lord. In American society, we prize youth, not age. We have articles in magazines and infomercials about anti-aging products. But the books of the Bible are really kind of pro-aging. The word elder is used in a biblical book 175 times, and particularly in the Old Testament, it speaks about how years can bring a maturity and wisdom that will enable older folks to come alongside and be a mentor or a guide to those who are younger. And therefore, elders in the community are to be esteemed. A lot of reflections on this are found in the scriptures. I'm going to give you one right now you may have never seen before. This again is from the Old Testament book of Leviticus, chapter 27. Look at what it says. If anyone makes a special vow to dedicate persons to the Lord by giving equivalent value, this is talking about a a special kind of sacrifice that was offered on behalf of a person. Let the amount be set of a male between the ages of 20 and 60 at 50 shekels of silver. If a person is 60 years or more, set the value at 15 shekels. Thus, the idea of a senior discount comes directly out of the Bible. (laughs) I bet you didn't know that, did you? I once had a cashier at a fast food restaurant give me the senior discount for my order when I was in my mid-40s. I was so offended, I took it. (laughs) Back to the formula. Age is the result of experience plus deterioration. Human aging involves lived experience, and that's mostly considered a really good thing. But since the systemic curse of sin corrupted God's good creation... It also involves a slow but sure process of deterioration. 
And true to the straightforward nature of the scripture, we see blunt descriptions of what that deterioration entails. One of the most descriptive and colorful passages on this topic is found in the Hebrew scriptures in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Billy Graham called Ecclesiastes 12, one through eight, one of the most poetic and yet candid descriptions in all of literature of old age. It starts like this. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Now that sounds exactly like the kind of advice an older person would give to someone younger, doesn't it? Attend the church youth group, read your Bible every day, obey God's statutes when you're young because your youthful commitments are determinative of your later faith. But then the writer, Solomon, puts a more somber twist on why you should walk with God in your youth. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you say, I find no pleasure in them. It's like the writer saying, kids, remember your creator when you're young because what's coming later ain't gonna be no picnic. One of my former staff members who was in his late 60s when we served together used to frequently say to me, John, getting older isn't for cowards. Indeed, growing old is equally as demanding as growing up. The Ecclesiastes writer then sets forth in a very colorful, blow-by-blow description of the days of trouble that are headed your way and are headed my way if we live long enough. So let's take a look at these verses. When the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop. In other words, as we age, sometimes we develop a little tremor in our hands. They're not as steady as they once were. You lose a little height and your physical strength noticeably diminishes. When the grinders cease, the writer says, because they are few. What are the grinders? Your teeth. Very good. Not many dentists in those days. No dentures, no implants. So the grinders started to disappear. Someone said a sign you're getting older is when you and your teeth don't sleep together anymore. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be fun. (laughs) And those looking through the windows grow dim. What do you think that phrase, looking through the windows, is talking about? Your eyes. No LASIK surgeries then. No glasses. Heard about a husband who had his head laying on his wife's lap one evening and his wife took off his glasses and stroked his hair and she said, without your glasses on, you still have that boyishly handsome look of the man I married. The husband said, without my glasses on, you still look pretty good to me too, baby. Let's go on. Let's, there's the next one. Men rise up at the sound of birds. What's that talking about? You don't sleep as good as you used to. Just little noises start waking you up. Or you have to get up and go to the bathroom more frequently. And you find yourself actually asking other people, how'd you sleep? When you're a little kid, nobody asks another kid, hey, Johnny, how'd you sleep last night? 
But as we age, that's like a priority question. Men rise up at the sound of birds, but all their sounds grow faint. What's that about? Your hearing starts to go. Three male retirees with hearing loss are playing golf on a blustery spring day. One said to the other, windy today, isn't it? No, the second man replied, it's Thursday. (laughs) Third man says, me too, let's go have a beer. You didn't know you could have so much fun with the Bible, did you? (laughs) Look at what it says. When the almond tree starts to blossom, want to guess what color almond blossoms are? White. The hair starts to turn white if we let it. (laughs) I love this next phrase. And the grasshopper drags himself along. (laughs) I mean, isn't that wonderfully expressive? He used to be a grass hopper. Now he's a grass dragger. (laughs) It's all he can manage. And look at this phrase. And desires no longer stirred. (laughs) Do we need to comment on this? I heard about an old man that was walking down a garden path. He came upon a frog. The frog talked to him. The frog said, if you pick me up and kiss me, I'll become a beautiful princess. The old man put the frog in his pocket, kept walking down the road. Frog said, didn't you hear what I said? I said, if you kiss me, I'll become a beautiful princess. The old man said, at my age, I'd rather have a talking frog. Now look at what the writer says. Then man goes to his eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember God before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken. Before the pitcher is shattered at the spring or the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to the God who gave it. Friends, that's what the scriptures mean when it talks about the day of trouble. Those sobering words from Ecclesiastes imply that more preparation is required for the rigors of aging than the accumulation of a hefty 401k. So how do we age well? There's lots being written in our day about successful aging or optimal aging, but from a biblical perspective, how do you age well? Because it's going to be different than what popular culture tells us. You see, as Christians, we do not believe that history is a meaningless cycle going nowhere that bestows burdens or blessings blindly. We believe God is alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, meaning that God not only gets us going at the beginning, but he's going to meet us at the end. The one who loved us into life loves us to the end. And every aged follower of Jesus can sing through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. I like how a writer named Will Williman paraphrases and repurposes Paul's words 
to the Corinthians, specifically for aging believers. Take a look at this. Don't you know that your aging body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Don't you know that even in your last years, you have the Holy Spirit from God? And you elderly don't belong to yourselves. You have been bought and paid for, so honor God with your elderly body. Now, while there are good reasons for those of us who are older to retire from our careers or the labors of parenting, there's no theological justification for us to think that our responsibilities to Jesus are fulfilled so that now we can focus only on ourselves. In a time of life when the purpose and meaning that were derived from a job or from caring for a home or family no longer consume as much of our time, the church's conviction that disciples of Jesus are expected to love God, love people, and serve the world no matter their age can be one of the great gifts of our faith. So how do we do that? From a biblical perspective, I think there are at least three factors to age well. Number one, I need wholehearted faith throughout my whole life. I need wholehearted faith throughout my whole life. I need the enduring conviction that I can trust God with my tomorrow, not because tomorrow will be easy, but I can look forward to tomorrow because God is already there waiting for me regardless of what tomorrow holds. Because God is the Lord of all ages and stages, our lives are subject not only to chronology, but to theology. I want to shift our focus for just a moment to a guy that we meet for the first time in Israel's wilderness wanderings by the name of Caleb. Now, Caleb, some of you frequent Bible readers will remember, was one of the 12 Israeli scouts or spies that Moses sent out to explore the promised land not long after Israel exited Egypt. When the scouts returned, 10 of them basically said, let's go back to Egypt and be slaves again. This assignment is impossible. We cannot do it. Only Caleb and Joshua trusted God and said, we can surely do it. But because of the panicked and pervasive unbelief of the rest of the Israelite community, Caleb had to spend 40 years of his life wandering through the wilderness. He was 40 when Moses sent him out as a scout. By the time Israel finally crossed the Jordan River to enter the promised land, he's 80 years old. And then another five years has passed beyond that while Israel was fighting to assume control of the land. After those battles are over and Israel is in control of the land, here's what we read from the book of Joshua, chapter 14. Caleb is speaking. Look at what he says. I was 40 when Moses sent me to explore the land. I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. By the way, if a person has a negative attitude and a small faith when they're 40, there's a good chance they will not have a negative attitude and a small faith when they're 85 because there's a good chance they won't ever see 85. 
A psychologist named Martin Seligman studied several hundred people in a religious community. He divided them up into four groups ranging from most to least faith-filled and optimistic. He found that 90% of the most optimistic, faith-filled people were still alive at age 85. Only 34% of the most negative, pessimistic people made it to that age. Another study tracked over 2,000 adults over the age of 65 in the Southwest United States. Optimistic, faith-filled people had better health habits, had lower blood pressure, had more, re uh, more resilient immune systems, and were half as likely to die early as negative people. So that says, if you have a positive attitude, you are likely to live a decade longer than people with a negative attitude. How many of you happen to hear that right now? If you haven't raised your hand, you're in trouble. Kind of interesting, isn't it? There were 12 spies sent out. Joshua and Caleb had faith. They said, we can do this with God's help. Let's go for it. The other 10 said, it can't be done. Not happening. Let's go back to Egypt and be slaves again. Anybody want to guess what happened to the other 10 when Caleb is talking to Joshua this many years later? They're all dead. None of them made it to Caleb's age. Friends, faith is such an amazing, life-giving force. There's all kinds of stories about this. I'm gonna tell you about a lady named Evelyn Brand. That's a, a portrait of Evelyn Brand. Just take a look at her for just a moment. When she was a young woman, she felt called by God to go to India. She was a single woman. You can imagine how much resistance she encountered and how much faith it took back in her day of 1909, single gal, gonna go to India. She met a guy named Jesse. They eventually got married, began a ministry to people in remote parts of India called the Mountains of Death. Earlier in their ministry, they went seven years without a single convert. Seven years without ever seeing anyone come to Jesus through their ministry. In my first ministry, when I was in Bible college, I preached about six months without ever seeing one person make a decision to follow Jesus. I was so discouraged. I thought I must be the worst preacher in the history of the church. No way I'm gonna make a living doing this. I can't imagine having thoughts like that for seven years. Then there was a local Hindu priest who grew deathly ill and had a fever. Nobody else would go near him because it was so dangerous. Evelyn and Jesse Brand nursed him as he was dying. And he said this, this God, this Jesus must be the true God because only Jesse and Evelyn will care for me in my dying. And this Hindu priest was so moved by their unconditional care for him that he gave his children to the brands to raise after his death. And that was kind of like a spiritual breakthrough in that area. And people began to turn to Christ. They had 13 years of great ministry, and then Jesse unexpectedly died. Evelyn is only 50 years old at that point. Everybody expects her to return back to her home in England, but she refuses. She stays another 20 years serving under that mission board that sent her. Her son, Paul, came over when his mom turned 70, and this is what Paul Brand said about his mom. This is how to grow old. Allow everything else to fall away until those around you see only love. As Christians, we believe there's a greater and grander narrative that fits our aging lives into a story that's bigger than us and sets our little selves within the calling of God's vocation for us and God's salvation 
of the world. And that brings us to the second factor to scripturally aging well. I need a challenge worthy of my best efforts. I need a challenge worthy of my best efforts. Will Williman writes, I'm unhappy with the word retirement. It's a cousin of similarly uninspiring words like retreat, remove, regress. Retirement makes it sound as if in our last years of life, we withdraw from the fray, settle in, settle down, quit moving, quit living. Yet we're learning that at each stage of life has its challenges, its different demands and new adventures, including retirement. He writes, we can retire from being a paving contractor or a dishwasher, but we can't retire from discipleship. And I wanna add this to that. We never age out of the adventure of Holy Spirit-led living. We never age out of that. God's transformative work in us does not end at 65. Let's pick back up the story of our favorite biblical octogenarian, Caleb, to see what this looks like. So let's go back to Caleb. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourselves heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out, just as he said. Let me ask you a question. Some of you have the military background. What's the toughest military battle to win against an opposing force? When you're fighting on flat ground, flat ground or hilly terrain? Hill country is by far the toughest ground to take. And that's exactly what Caleb asked for. The hardest challenge, the biggest problem. He's gonna go up against a group of people known as the Anakites, which is one of Israel's most formidable opponents. They were the ones talked about, by the way, back in Numbers 13, when the other 10 spies sent out with Caleb and Joshua said this, we saw the descendants of the Anakites there and we seem like grasshoppers next to them. That's the Anakites Caleb is talking about who live up in that hill country. This guy, Caleb, 85 years old, you think he's gonna ask for a nice condo at Shalom Acres? No, he wants the privilege of a really hard assignment. He wants one more chance to do something big for God. He wants one more shot at the hill country. God, just give me some of that hill country for your glory. I love it. Marion Diamond is a researcher on aging at the University of California, Berkeley. She's one of the world's leading neuroanatomists. Do you know what a neuroanatomist is? Me neither. I'll just check and see if you did. <laughs> one of the things she found is this. Look, take a look at what she found. Deliberately induced problems and challenges are required literally to keep your brain healthy and developing. Dr. Diamond has done a lot of work with rats. And in one experiment, some of them were just given their food, but another group of rats had obstacles placed in front of their food dish. They had to find a way over, around, and through, and somehow past some obstacles to get to their food dish. The rats that had to figure out how to overcome obstacles to get to their food developed a thicker cortex, had more dendrites, that has to do with nerve impulses in the brain. They were able to navigate other mazes more quickly. They were able to solve problems more proficiently and they were less likely to spend time watching Wheel of Fortune in Jeopardy. <laughs> the fewer problems that a rat had, the faster its brain went downhill. 
Marion Diamond writes, in terms of successful aging, it's not enough to continue activities in the same groove year after year with the same expenditure of mental and physical energy. The brain requires new challenges if it is to remain a healthy functioning organ. I like what one writer said. He said, we don't grow old, but rather when we cease growing, we get old. Isn't that good? We don't grow old, but when we cease growing, we get old. Thomas More puts it, aging is an activity. It's something you do, not something that happens. When you age, active verb, you are proactive. If you really age, you become a better person. If you simply grow old passively, you get worse. You will be unhappy as you continue the fruitless fight against time. And so Caleb at 85 says, give me some of that hill country for the glory of God. God has wired us up so that our bodies, our brains, our minds, and our spirits require not comfort, ease, and security, but challenge. Eric Erickson said that successful aging calls for the cultivation of generativity, which is the ability to stay reasonably reasonably productive and connected to others who are themselves busy engaging with the challenges of life. And that brings us to our third and final factor of aging well according to the scriptures. I need to stay connected in community. I need to stay connected in community. I need relationships. Caleb was one of two faithful scouts. Joshua was the other one. Joshua got to be the new leader when Moses died. Joshua got to be the new Moses. Caleb did not. He could have withdrawn. He could have sulked. He could have isolated himself. Instead, his engagement, his commitment to God's people just keeps growing. He was immersed in the people of God. Now, you got to think about this a little more deeply. So think with me. This is so important to aging well. Caleb's generation, the generation of those that left Egypt with him, all died out. I've heard several elderly people say one of the worst things about aging is that you outlive so many people you love. But imagine outliving everybody from your generation. That means for an older man, for at least five or 10 years or more of his life, Caleb had to develop a new relational network. He had to become a mentor, a guide, and a cheerleader for an entirely new generation. All of his peers were gone. He outlived them. And yet he did it in such a way that the next generation said, when we go to the hill country, we want 85-year-old Caleb to be the one to lead us. Friends, community is life-giving. Isolation is terminal. Loneliness may be more detrimental to the health of older adults than diabetes. As bad as smoking is for our health, Almost as detrimental is social isolation. I heard recently that chronic loneliness has the medical effects of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. In a culture plagued by detachment, loneliness, and separation, the church's practices of community are one of the greatest gifts we have to offer the world. Dr. Marion Diamond that I mentioned earlier wanted to see the effects of isolation and aging. She found that if 12 rats were in a cage together, think of a Rat small group. (laughs) And the little rat community was given challenges. Their brains developed more than if they were given a challenge, but they lived all by themselves in isolation. 
Then she wanted to see how this worked with older rats. So she took rats that were 600 days or older. I'm told that's the equivalent in rat years of about a 60-year-old human being. And she got the same results. She was invited to present her findings in Germany. She went there, but she found that the rats they were working with in Germany lived to be 800 days old and longer. This troubled her because her rats started dying at 600 days old. So she said to her researchers when she got back, there's one thing we've not been giving our rats that we're gonna start giving them. We're gonna give these rats love. We will give them the same challenges and group environment, but after the challenge, each researcher not making this up, would have to pick the rat up, hold it in her hand, press it against their lab coat, and pet it with their finger and speak kindly to it. What do you say? You're one sweet little rat. <laughs> Maybe play a little muskrat love by Captain and Tennille. I don't know. Here's what happened. When they started loving on those rats, not only did those rats break the 800-day barrier, at 904 days, they were not only still alive, they were still developing more developed brains in challenging conditions. Why? Because community is life-giving. Isolation is terminal. The generations together, young and old, loving and receiving life, giving life, giving hope, receiving wisdom. Friends, that's God's plan for his church that there would be a place that welcomes every age, every background, every ethnic group, a place for everyone. Friends, how key it is to have older folks mentoring young people. And I wanna say this to you. If you're in a small group where almost everyone in it is older, get a young person to join you every once in a while, a student, somebody in their 20s. We have a wonderful group of residents and interns here right now. Invite one of them to your life group and just ask them, what are the challenges in your life? And then pray for them and cheer them on. If you're in a group with mostly younger folks, I wanna encourage some senior adults to crash that party occasionally <laughs> and tell them some of your stories and share some of life experiences when you saw Jesus in the midst of your journey. One writer said, if the task of young adults is to create biological heirs, the task of older adults is to create social heirs. And that brings us back to where we started. Since my youth, God, you've taught me to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God until I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. I told you a little bit about Evelyn Brand earlier. I'm gonna finish your story real quickly right now. They ended up calling her Granny Brand. That became her name in those Indian mountains. She spent her life in India, including 20 years of widowhood over there. She's 70 years old. She gets word from the home, often, the home mission office back in England. They're not gonna give her another five-year term. She's getting too old. But Granny Brand is one feisty old lady. It was always her dream to go to the neighboring mountains to start a mission work there. So after the mission board gave her a little retirement party to celebrate her time in India and everybody cheered her on and said, have a good trip back home. She said, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. I'm not going back home, I'm staying in India. Over the years, you see, she's built a little shack up in one of those mountains with some resources that she kind of stashed away. And she bought a pony. And at 70, she started riding from village to village on horseback on her own dime, 
this 70-year-old woman, to tell people about Jesus. She did that for five years on her own. One day she fell off her horse and broke her hip. She's 75 years old at this point. Her son, Paul Brand, an eminent doctor, comes to visit her and he says, Mom, you had a good run. God used you mightily. It's time to turn it over now. Time to come back home. And Granny Brand said this to her son, I'm not going back home. I am home. She spent another 18 years traveling from one village to another on horseback. She kept falling. She had concussions. Finally, she gets to be 93 years of age. She can't ride the horse anymore. But for another two years, the men in those villages, because they loved Granny Brand so much, put her on a stretcher and carried her from village to village. She's 93 years old at that point, And she's saying, God, give me that hill country. Friends, aging well is not about retiring comfortably. It's not about amassing a growing 401k. It's not even about having a healthy body. It's not about earthly security. It's about saying, God, give me another mountain and let me die climbing it for you. Father, we thank you that um, you've given us Examples You've given us words. You've given us insights into what it looks to age as a follower of Jesus, as someone who believes in the gospel. And as we think about that formula experience, we thank you for the experiences of so many in our midst. At Apopka, Lake County, those online, thank you, Father, for these wonderful veterans in the gospel in faith that go ahead of us and help us, cheer us on and inspire us. But thank you for the brutal honesty of what it means to see our physical body waste away, as Paul said, and yet be renewed inwardly by hope in Jesus because there's nothing any of us suffer from right now that the resurrection won't cure. And that's our hope. Thank you, Father. Help us to move with courage and with grace into the future that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. We all agreed and said. If you like this podcast, we post a new message every week. So make sure to click that follow button and share it with your friends. Remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. And through Jesus, anything is possible.